Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our Michigan Game Day show for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Joining us today to dissect what happened on Saturday against Air Force and preview the Big Ten opener this weekend in West Lafayette is Chris Ballas, editor of TheWolverine.com. On Thursday's Visitor's Edition, we'll get a visit from the radio play-by-play voice of the Boilermakers, Tim Newton. As we do each week, though, let's get it rolling with my view from Section 17. I saw the same thing you did on Saturday. We moved the ball between the 20s very well and then stalled in the red zone. Some of the fans around me laid the blame on Wilton, others on the offensive line, still others grumbled about the vanilla play calling and maybe lack of adjustments when we made it to the red zone. Nothing worked in the red zone, and I don't blame Wilton, the offensive line, or the play calling. We all want this offense to be more productive, but let's take a long, deep breath and look at the situation as objectively as we can. How realistic was it to think a unit with this many new players in key positions would come out firing on all cylinders? Nothing worth having comes without hard work. That's why I'm not worried right now about the offense. I think Jim Harbaugh and staff know exactly what they are doing. I would rather see a struggle in September instead of November. As talented as this group is, most of them had never seen live bullets fly until three weeks ago against Florida. If someone as competitive as Jim Harbaugh has patience as his offense develops, I think we should too. This is a great teaching staff, and they've had a lot of teaching moments so far, and there will be more to come. As frustrating as it is watching this offense so far, you can see glimpses of what it can be if we cut down on the mental mistakes. So let's hang in there with these guys. Nothing I can add about our defense. In the many decades I've been watching Michigan football, I don't know if I've ever seen us put this many kids on the field that can fly to the ball. I know we'll be challenged in the coming weeks, but what a luxury it is to have Don Brown and this defense while our offense is pedaling with their training wheels, so to speak. The fact of the matter is, we are 3-0, and and the Big Ten season is upon us. Before the season started, the so-called experts said Michigan would roll through the first six games before the first challenge, a trip to Happy Valley. What do they know? From my view... There isn't one easy game left on our schedule. Winnable games? On paper, we have all the talent we need to compete with and beat anyone we play. 
As the late great Bob Eufer used to say, the only problem with that is you don't play the games on paper. My guest today on our game day segment is editor Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com. He joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Joining us this week is Chris Ballas, editor from TheWolverine.com, to recap Saturday's 29-13 win over Air Force and discuss Saturday's road trip to all-of-a-sudden resurgent Purdue, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Yeah, Chris, through three games, the offense has sputtered in the red zone. We have watched that. And it's not just one phase of the offense that is sputtering. It doesn't seem like anything is working when we get in the red zone, does it? No, and, it, and wonder, you wonder if they're overthinking things or what, or maybe Jed Fish is a bigger loss than we thought going out to UCLA. He had some plays, I remember, that Jim Harbaugh gave him credit for last year that were uh, fantastic passes to Khalid Hill in the red zone where it almost seemed like a foregone conclusion that they were going to score. But uh, there maybe a lot of people are wondering, maybe it's too many cooks in the kitchen. You've got Greg Fryback uh, as an offensive line coach. You've got Tim Drevno. And uh, maybe if they simplified it, because there are so many mistakes, and it's different guys making the mistakes. It's not one guy. Mike Nguyenu at right guard has been struggling at times. On Saturday, it was even the left side of the line. A couple of guys missing assignments. Pat Coogler at center probably had his worst game of the year. Not a bad game, not a terrible game, but... uh, but probably his worst game of the year. So, But you got to find ways to score down there against good teams. That's the difference, honestly, between feeling really good about this team after three games and just feeling like, okay, there's a lot of work to do, and are they going to figure this thing out? So they're going to have to figure it out now. You've got the meat of the schedule coming up, Big Ten play. Big Ten looks a lot stronger than we thought. You, you looked at games like Purdue and at Maryland early in the year, and you thought, okay, those are gimmies, or not maybe not gimmies, but you're going to win those games now. I wouldn't call them toss-ups, but they're going to be dogfights, especially if you don't figure out how to score when you get down there in the red zone. No, I agree with that. And, you know, around me in the stands, there was some grumbling for the first time. Uh, even a few boos we heard uh, raining down Saturday. But, you know, some folks were saying, hey, conservative play calling uh, when we get in the red zone. My guess after watching this offense, though, for a couple of weeks is it might be conservative out of necessity. If you're struggling to execute, I don't know if it matters if you're vanilla or you're trying to, uh, you know, open it up, shake things up down there. And part of me actually thinks Jim is, uh, uh, you know, could try some different things in the red zone. But another part of me is saying he's sort of, uh, in a way maybe, and this might not be true, but sending a message to this young offensive line in this team that we have to be able to impose our will at least somewhat in that red zone because if we can't, we're going to have some problems as the year rolls on. Yeah, and these are problems that they've had for the last few years against good teams on the schedule. They're not ramming the ball down anybody's throat. Uh, Even against Florida, their biggest running plays came on off-schedule downs, as Jim Harbaugh likes to call them, third and ten, second and long, where they kind of caught them off guard. They weren't blowing people off the ball. So they've got to figure out a way to do it against good teams, and I think that's the message. I think I agree with you that, you know, we got to man up and, and start doing it. At the same time, if it's not working, you're going to have to change it. And Jim Harbaugh is no dummy, as we know. This guy is one of the better offensive minds in football. But that's when you start thinking, okay, is it you got Pep Hamilton in there, you got Jim Harbaugh, you got Tim Drevno, you've got Greg Fry 
all putting their heads together and uh, is it too much? Are they overthinking this thing? And that's just, you know, I'm spitballing here. I'm throwing that out there, but because it's not working and you've got a defense that is borderline elite. I've watched a lot of college football this year. You look at Clemson, you look at Alabama, uh, teams like that that have the elite players, the elite defenses. I think Michigan's right up there with them defensively. Uh, You look at special teams and you've got a kicker now that looks like he might be elite and one of the better kickers that Michigan's ever had, if not the best. He's a freshman, a redshirt freshman, so let's not Let's not uh, say Quinn Nordine's that guy already. However, you've got a couple of phases there really working to your advantage, and you've got to figure out that offense where it's got to be more than adequate in order to be at that level. It's got to be good, and they aren't there yet. Now, everybody's saying that they can't get there. Uh, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of time still to figure some things out. We've seen Michigan teams in the past get better offensively as the year goes on. There is no reason why a Jim Harbaugh coached team and his offense can't get better as the season goes on at the same time. Would have liked to see have seen more of it here in the first three games. And it's easy for people to put a share of the blame on Wilton, but he had some balls dropped. Kakoa Crawford is one that jumps out at me. He was sacked a couple of times, maybe missed a few checkdowns, but overall I thought he was just fine on Saturday. He was okay, and he's not going to be that guy. He was never going to be that guy that's going to win games for you. And everybody says, well, why can't it be like Alabama? Why can't he be like Alabama where he just doesn't lose the game for him and blah, 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 blah. He does not have the weapons at every other position that Alabama has. They've got five-star offensive linemen. They've got elite receivers. Usually they've got an elite running back. Michigan does not have that. And, in fact, a lot of people have forgotten, a lot of people, that the same people that were predicting that they would lose three games this year because – they have so many new guys on offense. Your best playmakers are freshman receivers, Tariq Black and Donovan uh, and Peoples-Jones. Uh, Ty Isaac's a fifth-year senior, but uh, as he's a good back. I wouldn't call him an elite back. So, uh, And you're breaking in new tight ends. You lose Jake Butt, you lose Amara Darbo, you lose J.U. Chesson, and guess what? All three of those guys are playing in the pros right now. So you're going to have to out-scheme people a little bit, and, uh, and he's going to have to do some things with – For example, Kakoa Crawford on the first play of the game, and I'm not picking on the kid, but that's a ball, a 50-50 ball down the sideline where your receivers like Braylon Edwards, maybe a David Terrell, guys like that, would at least have a good shot to come down with that ball. And Kakoa is not the kind of receiver that can make that play. I think in a couple of years or next year even, Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones will be that guy. But right now he doesn't have that one guy that you can point to and say, okay, Wilton's got this going for him because that guy is so good. Well, I watched the offensive line really closely on Saturday. The left side had some issues, but overall pretty solid. Over on the right mm-hmm. side, quite a few blow-bys, especially in pass coverage. We gave up, I think, eight tackles for loss in the game. But overall, it was pretty good pass protection and run uh, blocking until we got in that red zone. And again, that that is the uh, the real mystery why we're not getting enough push down there, Chris. Yeah, and two things. Number one, give Air Force some credit, and Jim Harbaugh did too, and it was pretty clear. They were changing some things up and that they had not done all year, Air Force, and they were showing some things late where people are saying, oh, Wilton should have checked into that play. Well, the play was about to start, and boom, just before he snaps the ball, maybe they bring a couple of safeties down and change the look of the play. That was the case on a third-and-goal run. It was a run-pass option where Ty Isaac got stuffed and Wilton expressed some frustration visibly. You know, and it's like Harbaugh said, sometimes you get to tip your hat to the other guy. But when you're one for seven passing for minus one yard, and I think overall the last couple of games it's one for 13 for minus one yard. I can't remember a pass that, they, that they've that they completed down there. Then 
it's a pretty clear indicator that you're doing something wrong. And I think a lot of people are asking, well, you got this six, seven and a half tight end in Zach Gentry, for example, you know, that if you screw up and throw the ball high, you know, where only he can get it, you know, that could turn out to be a good play. Aren't there some other weapons down there and some other things that they can do? And uh, and I think we'll see them I, I, because, again, Jim Harbaugh is too good a coach for, for this offense to sputter like it has. There are times frankly that this looked like a uh, one of those offenses with Brady Hoke and Al Borges where they're you know it's like okay what are they trying to do here and what's their identity are they just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping that it'll stick but uh, there's nothing that they can hang their hat on you don't have that fade where you can say okay we're going to throw the fade and we're going to get separation and we're going to score you don't have receivers that are, are getting great separation you don't have a dominant blocking up front where you're pushing guys three yards into the backfield, so you know you're going to get five yards, for example, on first and goal from the nine to maybe set up some second and short from the four. So uh, there's still it's a work in progress. But uh, one of those things again is you, from Jim Harbaugh offenses. We've seen it so many times and heard it from so many coaches that they're so good at preparation and out scheming people that you have to believe that it's going to improve. However. It's the mental mistakes, the guys like Michael and Wenu at right guard, who was replaced at times by John Runyon on Saturday, uh, that those cannot happen. You cannot have the mental mistakes. Physical stakes, mistakes are going to happen, but the elite lines at Michigan and the better lines in the country are not going to make those. And uh, once again, we're seeing way too many of them, especially on the right side of that offensive line. Well, you mentioned Ty Isaac. He has looked so good. Hopefully he's not dinged up. We're taping on Monday morning. We should learn more later today, hopefully, at Jim's yeah. presser. He really looks good right now, doesn't he, Chris? He does at times, and then there are times when you're saying, okay, I'm third and one, put your shoulder down and run over a guy and get that first down. There were three or four plays where he looked a little bit tentative, and you know they always say if you play tentative, you play not to get hurt, that's when you get hurt. So he looks good. He looks the best of the backs. And uh, But there were, I think, three or four plays where you're thinking, okay, don't tiptoe. Go and get it. From what we're hearing, uh, it's a, it's bruises. I don't think it's going to be anything serious, is what Jim Harbaugh will say. So, uh, which is good news. But you need more than one back. And at one point, we thought this was a position of strength. And Chris Evans, who we everybody I think thought was really going to take that next step this year after what he showed as a freshman. And Karan Higdon, who we'd heard great things about in the fall. I don't think those, either of those guys is averaging four yards a carry right now. And that needs to be better. They need to you need to have more than one guy. Uh, you need it to be like it used to be when you had a stable of backs that you could go to, and uh, they don't have that right now. And again, part of that is because of the offensive line, a line that still is trying to continue to gel and has, still has a long way to go. So, but they need a tie Isaac. I don't think there's any question about it, and uh, you hope that he's going to be healthy enough to play on Saturday because Purdue is the most improved team, not only in the Big Ten, but I think in the country, watching them play, they've done a fantastic job through three weeks. Over on the defensive side, we knew Don Brown started getting ready for the triple option in the winter, and just watching it Saturday, we all know this is one tough offense to stop, and I thought we did an outstanding job on that Saturday, Chris. Yeah, it's funny because I think it was Matt Millen. I was listening or reading the message boards as the game was going on, and they said, Matt Millen says the problem here, the analyst, is because they can't stop. The... I'm thinking you can't do much of, a better, much of a better job than they're doing with this. This is an offense that you have, you know, you're preparing for once every, what, five or six years, and uh, t- t- for the life of me, I don't know why you schedule. I, I have all the respect in the world for Air Force, but why you schedule these games is beyond me because it doesn't really help prepare you 
or anything else on the schedule. You're only going to see it once. That triple option is so tricky. Those guys did a great job blocking it. That's what they do. And I gave them I give them credit for uh, especially their quarterback who took hit after hit after hit. But uh, this was the lowest output for an Air Force team since 2012, I believe they said it was. And I thought, with the exception of the one big play, uh, and I, that was on the safeties, it was Tyree Kinnell and Josh Metellus, I guess, was probably partially responsible as well. You can't do much better than you did uh, that day. Yeah, they got some yardage on the ground, but you know when you're throwing the ball just a couple of times and and you're that good at what you do and you practice it over and over and over again, I agree with you 100%. I thought they did a fantastic job. And I know there are still some questions to be answered concerning this defense as well as they've played. Uh, One of them is how will the secondary hold up against a good passing attack like Purdue's, which we'll talk about in just Uh a few minutes. But if we can be sure of anything after three games, uh, we know the red zone inefficiency is bothering this team. But over on the defensive side, clearly this is, uh, I don't know if we're going to say elite defense yet, but man, it's the backbone of this team. Yeah, and I think it's pretty darn close to elite. And I think we saw that in the opener with Florida. It looked like a an Alabama defense out there playing against Florida. They were that smothering, that fast. Never seen a faster defense in my life in, at, at Michigan, and uh, and I've been around for a while. So it's been uh, it's been fun to watch. Devin Bush at linebacker, for example, chasing down quarterbacks and chasing down running backs from the other side of the field. That kid is going to be a superstar, and uh, I think he's going to be all Big Ten by the end of this year, frankly. So uh, you got to worry a little bit about the uh, the other linebacker position. Mike McCray uh, was a little bit slower against Cincinnati. They found a couple of things on film that they could exploit. you got to see how they're going to hold up when teams run to his side of the field and try to get outside the defense. But this defensive line, I think, has been as good as advertised. I think uh, the linebackers, like I said, in the, in the secondary has been a pleasant surprise, especially a cornerback. They've been beaten a couple of times deep. But uh, overall, I think this is going to be, uh, like you said, this Purdue game is going to be a big test. We're going to see how good they really are against a, a team that can really throw the ball. And on special teams, I like Donovan Peoples-Jones on punt returns, and I know he had the ball security issues last week, and yes, that has got to be better. But Saturday's punt return, maybe a glimpse of what this kid can do, and he's just fearless fielding the ball back there, Chris. He sort of reminds me, and I know he's got a long way to go. I've mentioned this before, but he reminds me of a Steve Breston back there, how you think he's not going to put that right hand up. It's coming back. And yeah, he, he he just looks like a natural, doesn't he? Yeah, he, and he's a strider, too, kind of like Breston. It doesn't look like he's moving that fast, does it? And then all of a sudden he turns the corner, and, and you see him moving, and everybody's like, is he is he really fast? And then he's pulling away from people. But he's got that knack, and what you saw in his 79-yard punt return was once he got to the middle of the field, he wasn't putting his head down and thinking, okay, I'm going to get 10 yards. It's like, how can I get this to the house? And that's what playmakers do. And you knew once that punt was up and that he'd outkicked, that kid had outkicked his coverage that, that there was going to be an opportunity here for a good punt returner to make something happen, and he did. I think he also had a 25-yarder, if I'm not mistaken, on another kick. So I think this is a kid that uh, the sky's the limit. I think we're going to see more and more of him. Hopefully Tariq Black is okay, the, the freshman wide receiver. We've heard things that uh, that he may be out for a while. We'll have to see what Jim Harbaugh says about that today. But if that's the case, then Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to get thrust in, the, in there, and we're going to see even more what he can do at receiver, and I think it's going to be really good, especially next year. But as the year goes on, this kid's going to get more and more of a chance to show what he can do. Well, we talked about uh, what an impact redshirt freshman Quinn Nordine has been field goal kicking for us. Uh, punts, though, that's another story. Uh, Will Hart has had his struggles in the punting game. He had another shank on Saturday, averaged at right around 37 yards uh, per punt. And I'm sure he knows this, but 
he needs to be better, Chris. Yeah, and I asked Harbaugh about that in the press conference, and you're always a little bit concerned to ask that question because Jim is very protective of his players, but it's pretty obvious. There have been down-and-distance situations and, and bad momentum plays or series where, okay, your punter has a good chance here to, to switch momentum back with a huge kick, maybe pin somebody deep, and instead of doing that, adds to the misery by shanking something. Uh, again, he did it again on Saturday. He did it against Florida where it's like, or Cincinnati, where, okay, they had a bad series of downs on offense. Let's get a good punt here and see if we can get the momentum back, and it doesn't happen. So I did ask Harbaugh about that. He said Brad Robinson is still in the mix, the true freshman, who he said was the best true freshman punter he'd ever had. So uh, he said it's we're going to play the best guy there. And if Brad Robbins were to have a good week of practice and, and continue to do that, they would burn that red shirt, and I think that he could be a weapon. Now, the one thing that Harbaugh also said was this kid has not dropped the ball and he hasn't done anything disastrous, but in my opinion, that should not be the benchmark. You've got to have a guy in there that is going to be a weapon, especially if your offense is struggling, because you've got to win two phases of the game to have any chance if your offense isn't playing well. With us here on our Michigan Game Day segment this week, uh, recapping the Air Force game over the weekend is Chris Ballas, editor from the Wolverine.com. Chris, uh, coming up, first a true road game of the year Saturday as Big Ten play gets underway, and we travel to West Lafayette to take on the Boilermakers. They opened the season with a neutral site game against Louisville, played uh, in Indianapolis, played them very tough. And maybe watching that game, people thought, well, Louisville was just sort of uh, not ready to play, took them lightly. But they looked good, and then they trashed Ohio, and they stuck it to Missouri in Columbia on Saturday night. So far, at least in non-conference play, as you mentioned at the top of the show, this is the surprise team in the Big Ten. Yeah, and I think it's Ohio U that they beat in the second game, and Ohio U was the one that was picked to win the MAC or or close to it. And that's when they got my attention, Mike. It was like, okay, Louisville, maybe Louisville went through the motions. However, you were still impressed that Purdue came out and played well. But in the first game of the year, there's sometimes you can't tell. That second game was when they really got my attention, and I said, okay, this looks like a well-coached football team, a much-improved football team. I predicted they would go on the on the road and beat Missouri. Uh, I did not predict that they would win as big as they did, I think 35-3. to They've got a different attitude. They've got a great coaching staff, and it's good to see, frankly, because Purdue's been so lousy for so long, so I give them credit. You're going to see a lot of screen passes. Michigan's defensive line against their offensive line is still, still going to be a mismatch, but that tunnel screen that we saw, for example, that Cincinnati used against Michigan, uh, that's something that you got to be wary of. I thought Michigan did a much better job defending that in the fourth quarter and taking that away and really made uh, really gave Cincinnati fits, and they had a struggle moving the ball after that. But uh, this is a different challenge. We're going to see uh, what receivers all over the field. We're going to see if Michigan has the depth at, at uh, defensive back that that you hope they have to be able to counter that because they're going to look for mismatches and they're going to test. So uh, we're going to see what happens. But really it comes down to, again, putting enough points on the board. You cannot rely on your defense every week to win games for you. You're going to have to put some points on the board. God bless Quinn Nordine and his five field goals, but I would rather see him kicking five extra points, and I think everybody else would too. So you've got to score touchdowns if you want to win ball games. It's going to be an interesting test. I think Michigan's only a nine-point favorite in that game, where as at the beginning of the year, you probably could have gotten odds. You know, Michigan uh, favored by 23, 24 points. So 
good first test in the Big Ten. I think Michigan will be ready for it. Uh, but, again, protect the ball, number one. They've had way too many turnovers. And uh, score some more points in the red zone. I think they'll be okay. Now, Coach Jeff Brown has uh, done an outstanding job, but no question about it. If you watched him at Western Kentucky, he had just uh, such a wide-open offense, to say the least. Uh, I've watched all three of their games now, and it kind of reminds me of Joe Tiller's basketball yeah. on grass. I mean, they just really attack from all angles. Yeah, that's exact. That's a great point, and that's exactly what I was thinking. And uh, and you beat me to it. It's like okay, it's really tough to defend now. Uh, Ron English, Michigan's former defensive coordinator, said, "Okay, we used to out athlete them. So I would say, you take him, you take him, you take him, and uh, let the defensive line go to work, and don't let them get the ball off quickly where they're getting off the line. So that's what you got to do against a team like this. You've, but uh, again, this is a young secondary too, so it's going to be the biggest test for them. It's another big film week, and you're switching gears. You know, they put so much time and effort into that triple option of Air Force. Now you got to come back and switch gears and prepare for an offense like this." Ideally, you would have been playing a team that, okay, you know, you don't have to spend so much time on in week three so that you can peek ahead and cheat a little bit on on what you're going to do against Purdue. That's not the case. So this will be a huge test for this defense, and uh, and it's going to be up to the offense, in my opinion, to put some points on the board. I think Purdue will score some points. Not a ton, but uh, if the offense doesn't get going, this could be certainly be a game in the fourth quarter. As I mentioned, I've watched all three of their games, Chris, and David Blau, not a real big quarterback. He's not one of these uh, 6'4", 6'5", kids, I think 6'1", right around the uh, 210-pound mark. But one thing in watching three games I've noticed with him, he is very cool in the pocket, very accurate. Yeah, you don't, and you don't want to call him Drew Brees, but he's got some of those characteristics, uh, obviously, where he's very, very confident. And that's number number one, that's what you need to run an offense like this. And you've seen that from him. So, uh, you know, Louisville got exposed a little bit against Clemson. They're not a great team, but they're a good enough team that you got to give Purdue credit for hanging with them. And they did not look like they were scared. So, And they're going to be confident going into this game, especially you know, given what Michigan's been struggling with here in the last couple of weeks. So it's not a, a great road environment or, or not a great home environment there. Uh, they don't much care, frankly. <laughs> there have been times when we've been there that the student section's been mostly empty for the entire game. But I think there will be some excitement there this year because they've actually got a team to root for, uh, and, and it'll be a fun one to watch. On one of the Purdue websites, uh, I noticed on Saturday it said, this is one of their trivia questions, when was the last time we sold out ross Stadium? And it's already sold out for this week from just what I gathered from that site. So, yep. And it's homecoming, yep. and it's a national yep. 4 p.m. game on Fox, and you're playing a team with confidence, and that's what makes me think, We've got our hands full come 4 p.m. Saturday. Yep, I agree with you 100%. They better bring it and uh, better figure out how to score down there when they get close. They move the ball well. And you got to hope that some of your guys, uh, you got to hope that Ty Isaac's going to play. And if not, you know, next man up. But uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be a fun one, I think, and a uh, great way to start the Big Ten season, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. A final question for you then, Chris. At, uh, Jim's postgame presser on Saturday night. I thought, you know, he was very subdued in answering the questions. That's just how it looked when I watched it later on TV, especially when answering the questions on that red zone efficiency. He said, it's going to come, it's going to come. Do you get any kind of a sense uh, that worry is creeping in regarding the offense with the staff? Not with Jim Harbaugh. I don't ever sense that he's worried. I sense that 
he understands that it needs to be better. And Tim Drevno said that early in the week, uh, the offensive coordinator, he said, we've got to coach them better. Uh, I don't think that they did, frankly, on Saturday. So, But I think he understands that, Jim Harbaugh understands that, okay, if something's not working, then we're going to have to address it and we're going to have to change some things up. But you're going to see, in my opinion, you're going to see uh, maybe a little bit of a less is more approach going forward and, and because they've got to find something that they can hang their hat on. Okay, this is what we do really well. And uh, right now, there isn't a whole lot, you know. And at the same time, you know, for people saying, oh, this has been a disaster. You know, a disaster was a few years ago when this team led the nation in tackles for loss allowed, okay. This team is still rushing. You had a 100-yard rusher in the first two games against one really good, pretty good defense and another one that was okay. And uh, and Ty Isaac certainly still got his yards on Saturday. So it's not like they're they're getting completely blown up and embarrassed. They've got They've got – plays that are working now they've got to make the plays that are there as well you cannot have the drop passes and you've got to be able to like when you're Wilton Spade you've got to hit those receivers when they are open so and take advantage of that I think they're right there where it's they think okay you know if we clean this up we clean that up we're going to be fine uh, there are two plays for example that come to mind if, if Ty Isaac doesn't step out of bounds right on the, his long run by about two inches there's seven more points and if they don't get flagged for holding on the edge when Ty Isaac breaks his big run, that's at least four more points. I think they got a field goal out of that. Then you're talking about 40 points against the stingy Air Force defense, and you're still feeling a lot better about yourself. So I think they're there. That's not to say that they don't have room for improvement, especially in the red zone, but I don't think it's as dire as people think it is. No, I don't think so either, and we'll uh, get another good look 4 p.m. Saturday uh, in West Lafayette. Our guest this week here on our Michigan Game Day segment has been Chris Ballas, editor from TheWolverine.com. Chris, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and thanks for taking the time early on a Monday morning. We look forward to the next visit. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we close out another edition of The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, let's start with an injury update. Tariq Black is out with a foot injury that will require surgery. At Jim's Monday presser, he was asked if it was a season-ending injury. He said, we'll see. Ty Isaac left the game on Saturday, and it didn't appear to be serious. From what we know, he is good to go for this Saturday. Kareem Walker is still working through a knee injury. Other than the normal bumps and bruises after three games, we are in pretty decent shape. Quinn Nordine was named the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. For his performance on Saturday, he booted five field goals, tying the single-game record. It was the second such honor for Nordine in the past three weeks. He converted on Saturday from 35, 26, 49, 29, and 36 yards. We opened as a 10.5-point favorite over Purdue, but as of this morning, it's down to eight points. We fell one spot in this week's coaches' poll, down to number eight. Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin joined us in the top ten. If you don't have our free show app yet, it is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. 
You can also hear the show on Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. Thanks again to my guest today, Chris Ballas, editor of TheWolverine.com. Always great to have Chris on the show. On Thursday's visitors segment, we'll get a visit from Purdue radio play-by-play voice Tim Newton. He has seen some lean years, to put it mildly, in West Lafayette, so it will be interesting to hear his thoughts on the resurgent Boilermakers under first-year head coach Jeff Brom. So make sure you join us on Thursday for that, and some of my final thoughts on our first true road game of the year, and of course, the Big Ten opener. That will do it for another game day edition of The Michigan Man. Thanks for taking the time to listen. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. We'll see you back here on Thursday's Visitor's Edition. Until then, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!